This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Louise Neimer. It's one of the most common health conditions plaguing Zoomers, arthritis. And like any disease, discovering it in the early stages can drastically improve the outcome. Today, I'll talk to Dominic Pilla, president and CEO of Shoppers Drug Mart, about a partnership with the Arthritis Research Centre of Canada to provide quick and easy arthritis screening for Canadians. Plus... Do you have children in college or university? If they've moved away from home, you've probably found the house much quieter since they left, and you're probably missing them. Dr. Oren Amate is here to help you cope with the empty nest. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Google is the latest company to make Zoomers a priority. The online search engine has launched a new health company called Calico that will focus on aging and related diseases. CEO Larry Page hopes Calico can find ways to slow the aging process and extend the human lifespan. He also says shareholders should not be surprised if Google invests in projects that seem strange or speculative compared with its internet businesses. He says Google sees potential for technology more generally to improve people's lives. Do you like shopping for new clothes? It turns out many Zoomer women don't. A survey by the website Vibrant Nation has found that a majority of women start to dislike clothes shopping after the age of 45. The main reasons are rude salespeople, poor selection for midlife bodies, and uncomfortable change rooms. 78% said it's harder to find clothes that don't read as either too young or too old, and almost 40% said they now shop for their clothes online. And the arts community has lost one of its biggest champions. Anne Lazar Mervish, a sculptor and wife of the late theater impresario Honest Ed Mervish, died Friday afternoon. The Hamilton native, a former radio singer, was married to Ed Mervish for over 65 years until his death in 2007. A Mervish spokesman said Anne inspired her husband's love of the theater and visual art. In 1948, Ed cashed in her insurance policy to open a new business, a bargain basement known as Honest Ed's. It became one of Toronto's most iconic landmarks, and the Mervish family interests expanded into restaurants, real estate, and theater. And Mervish was 94. Her funeral is set for Monday at Holy Blossom Temple in Toronto. Our condolences to the Mervish family. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do you have arthritis? 4.6 million Canadians do. That's one in six over the age of 15. September is Arthritis Awareness Month, and now, in partnership with arthritis advocacy and research groups, Shoppers Drug Mart has launched an innovative program to help diagnose and treat the disease early. Okay, so 
I'm looking at a skeleton on the website, and I'm clicking on the left knee, which is where I have problems, and now we start the questionnaire. Yeah, perfect. So question one, does the joint hurt? Yes. That's the beginning of a questionnaire you can take online or with your pharmacist to see whether you might have arthritis. It took me a little over two minutes to get this result. Get results. Get results. So the screening result may raise possible presence of inflammatory arthritis. That is absolutely correct. I know I have arthritis. But many of us don't even realize we have the disease. To find out how this program works, I sat down with Dominic Pilla, president and CEO of Shoppers Drug Mart, and Cheryl Cohn of Arthritis Consumer Experts. It's really about allowing our pharmacists to take on a larger role in primary care in Canada. This is a component of that. And it is about screening patients that will allow pharmacists and patients and physicians to have detection of uh, people early, early onset detection, so that they can have better, better outcomes uh, for their disease. What's the problem in terms of uh, how much arthritis is diagnosed and how much goes undiagnosed? 4.6 million Canadians live with one of over 100 types of arthritis. That's what we can count. But because arthritis is shrouded in myths and it's a self-reported statistic, we know we're missing a lot because lower back pain often is just discounted as, oh, you know, I bothered my back playing tennis or work or whatever, instead of I should investigate it and then finding out it's ankylosing spondylitis, for example. How much do you think is out there and what's the consequence? Well, like many chronic diseases, the consequence of not having early diagnosis is worse outcomes. So more severe uh, consequences in terms of outcomes many years later, significantly lower quality of life, and much higher cost to the healthcare system. We think we have a great opportunity by training our pharmacists, providing them with tools like this tool that was developed uh, by the Arthritis Research Council, uh, to then assist them in early detection, which results in better outcomes for patients, better quality of life, and lower cost of the system. It's a questionnaire that either your pharmacist can administer or you can do it online. And it's different for men and women. Why? Women's needs are different than, than a man's. Also, two out of three people who have arthritis are women. It is a woman's disease, Libby. Beyond that, it's not so much the the you know, physical differences or the clinical differences. It is also the uh, attitudinal differences. Mm-hmm. Women tend to not look after their health first. They tend to uh, consider their family, uh, spouses, extended family first, and therefore will t- tend to not uh, pay attention to their own health. And we want to develop tools that uh, encourages them uh, to focus on their health. It is often said that women tolerate pain or put up with it more than men do. Is, is that a part of this? Absolutely. And in fact, the survey that I mentioned uh, really highlighted for all of us how women do not seek out treatment for chronic pain, which is really the key characteristic of many types of arthritis. And they will undertreat pain. So even when they do seek out treatment for pain, they undertreat pain. Um, I, I think women, you know, we're, we're fantastic. We're stoic. Um, but in many ways, that serves to our disadvantage when it comes to looking after our health long term, particularly when it comes to a musculoskeletal problem like arthritis. Back to uh, the managing the pain. I know that particularly for women, there are uh, sort of gastric side effects to using a lot of ibuprofen and a lot of people worry about it. And that may be a reason that they 
under-treat the pain from arthritis. Yeah, it's a really good point. And one of the tools that is in the Shoppers Drug Mart Pharmacist's hands today after the launch of our partnership is a medication review tool um, specific to pain medications. So this tool will empower pharmacists, one, to have that conversation with their patient at the counter to try to detect any possible side effects because of combinations of prescriptions. You know, some people with arthritis are taking multiple uh, things over the course of a day or the course of a week. So this tool is sensitive enough to assess the appropriateness of multiple... um, You were mentioning that a lot of people take supplements like uh, glucosamine or whatever it might be, and uh, I guess the assumption is that these things are benign because they're not prescription. No, natural doesn't mean safe, and it's a great point that you raise. It's um, natural doesn't mean safe, and some of them can interact. The way the partnership is working is that through Shoppers Drug Mart Pharmacies, Uh, You can go through this screening, Mm -hmm. which will tell you whether or not it's likely that you have arthritis. What happens then? Well, our pharmacist would uh, recommend to the patient to seek further support or uh, assistance from the physician. Uh, In some cases, there are examples of where they can uh, give them a uh, treatment protocol or care plan uh, through the pharmacy in terms of pain management, for example. Uh, but certainly they would encourage them to either uh, see their family doctor or rheumatologist uh, to, to uh, confirm the diagnosis and then develop a treatment plan and then work collaboratively with that physician to monitor and follow the treatment plan of the patient. And in many provinces, uh, that uh, professional act of developing and monitoring a treatment plan is a reimbursed service. And therefore, the pharmacist will be reimbursed by the public payer for providing that service or the private payer if they have an insurance plan. So the pharmacist will give you a letter to take to your family doctor. That's correct. And, and, then, and then the family doctor will take the action, if required, to refer them to a rheumatologist for further uh, follow-up uh, and develop the care plan. But then the pharmacist can help, at that point, monitor the care plan and provide advice to the patient based on that, dialoguing either with the family doctor or the rheumatologist or both. Okay. Yeah. Cheryl, Dominic, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you, you. You can take the test with a pharmacist at your local Shoppers Drug Mart or online at shoppersdrugmart.ca. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Are you the parent of a child who's recently gone off to college or university? You might find yourself getting a little lonely this time of year. In just a moment, I'll talk to Dr. Oren Amate about how to deal with the empty nest. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. It's been about three weeks since the start of the academic year at most colleges and universities. For parents whose children have moved away, it can be a trying time. I have two children, and Willie left home a year ago off the university, and Sadie just left three weeks ago to university. So uh, I've been alone for three whole weeks now. It's strange. It's very strange. I've never lived on my own before, so it's really a a very different, odd feeling. Do you miss your children? Of course I miss them. I really do. I mean, the things that I really miss are just laughter in the house, just happy laughter. Kids keep you young, right? So I miss their giggles and their laughter and their jokes. But I'm just, I'm so proud of them. Do you find that you have to adjust? Definitely, definitely adjust. So it's only been three weeks, so I haven't really had time to really be lonely yet, but I think 
you know, I'm working a lot more, I'm exercising a lot more, I'm reading a lot more. I think I'm absorbing my reading a lot more, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, so those things, maybe I'm just keeping myself busy so I don't have to think about being on my own, perhaps. That's Ethne McCready, the mother of two university students. What is the best advice for moms and dads who are feeling lonely and at loose ends? Psychologist Dr. Orrin Amate dropped by our Liberty Village studios. I think people have to realize just how big of a transition it really is. I mean, you've, your identity has been wrapped up in these children for 17, 18, 20 years, and now all of a sudden they're gone. What are the kinds of n- normal parade of feelings that people go through? Of course, everyone's different. But I mean, for a lot of people, um, there's anticipation because they think finally we're free. Uh, We have more space, fewer mouths to feed. But then there's this kind of this almost melancholy when you see that, you know, there's a reason it's called the empty nest. Like suddenly it's quiet. And for some people, that's a good thing. For others, it's it's disquieting. For some people, it's just a sense of loneliness. Um, for others, it's because their identity was wrapped up in this, they almost have the sense of, of being lost, of what am I to do now? Even if they have a job, still a big portion of their time might have been shaping their day around a family or the weekend or the nighttime. So with those people gone, it, it can be a major transition for a person to say, wait a second, it's my time now. Mm-hmm. What do I do with <laughs> what it? What do I do with it? Exactly. I know that a, a lot of parents, I mean... They talk to their kids every day. <laughs> you know, even with Skype now, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's not like it was before. You can keep in more contact with them if the parent needs it. Um, for a lot of parents, there's a sense of rejection because maybe the first couple of days the child is talking to them uh, diligently. But once their child kind of settles in, uh, you know, and they, they're making their way around, they're seeing friends, getting involved in classes pretty soon the calls are less and less frequent and the parent almost feels rejected or abandoned by the child, which might sound funny, but the fact is when, when some, someone suddenly disappears and they're no longer available for you, you know, it's a natural sense to feel, uh, of, you know, abandoned. Mm-hmm. So that's something you should be prepared for. You should. And, and parents have to really keep this in mind that it's, it's like when anybody goes somewhere, if they travel or somewhere, um, they shouldn't expect that person to have a set schedule. They should say, look, when you have a chance, try to get in touch with me. Is the bottom line that a lot of parents just can't let go and, and a lot of them sometimes, you know, micromanage their kids' lives anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. In the last generation, we're seeing far more micromanaging than ever before. So we're seeing more parents, you know, really feeling at a loss. And as a, a professor myself, I sometimes have to deal with parents who are still micromanaging, even if the child's thousands of miles away from them, they're emailing or they're calling and they want to know what's going on or take care of their children's problems. They have to realize this is their child's next step into adulthood or first step into adulthood. Let them, you know, kind of navigate their own way. Uh, yeah, and what about the children? They're they're also not used to doing things for themselves often. Yeah, you know, I I, I say this to a lot of parents um, that the the one tough time is when the child leaves. The next tough time is when the child comes back and the parent feels like a laundry service or something else because, you know, they think the child's going to be there and tell them all the stories of university and everything. No, the kid's back. They want to see their friends. They're dumping their laundry for their parent because they haven't done it for the last two months. <laughs> and, and so what, should you just do the laundry? I think you have to have the discussion with the child. And if you feel kind of like you're feeling a little bit um, used in that sense, have the discussion. I mean, a reasonable discussion. Um, but I think they should have these expectations before the child 
child comes back and just realize this is the child's time. It's not yours, okay? Um, and you know what? I always tell parents, when the child does leave, you try to f- strike the balance of kind of encouraging them to be independent, showing them that you have confidence and faith in them so that when they're learning all these new things, whether it's cooking for themselves, shopping or whatever, that they have a sense of self-efficacy, that they think that they can do it, yet also letting them know that if you do need me, I am here. So instead of seeing this as a loss, there are a couple of ways to focus. One is it's a huge opportunity for my child to become, again, an adult, to grow into themselves, see it as a positive thing, focus on the child's um, benefits as opposed to your loss. But the second thing is not to focus as a loss to yourself, but more of a ch- an opportunity. This is now your time. Whatever, however many hours you would have spent in the week dealing with this issue or that with your child, focus on yourself. See what, you know, what kind of um, inspires you. Take up a hobby. Do something. You know, fill in that time with something for you. Okay? It's not being selfish. It's being self-fulfilling. And the more self-fulfilled you are, your child's going to get a sense of that. And they're not going to have guilt or fear that poor mom or dad is alone. They might, you know, they'll get a sense when they come back home like, wow. The thing is, some children come back and they almost feel bad like, wow, was I holding my parent down all this time? <laughs> no, you're just saying you're in a new stage of your life. I'm in a new stage. We're both advancing. Okay. Well, on that note, on that positive note, thank you so much, Dr. Oren Amate. Thank you so much for having me. Well, before you know it, those kids will be back home to visit for Thanksgiving. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. There ain't no cure. There ain't no cure. There ain't no cure for love. Leonard Cohen is celebrating his 79th birthday this weekend. And in just a moment, we'll celebrate with one of his timeless tunes. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City. Janis Joplin lives on in a concert biomusical starring Mary Bridget Davies. A Night with Janis Joplin is at the Lyceum Theater on West 45th Street. A Philadelphia museum dedicated to that city's most famous founding father has officially reopened after nearly two decades of renovations. The new Benjamin Franklin Museum features artifacts, computer animation, and interactive displays. The location also includes a ghost structure outlining the size of Franklin's three-story brick house, which was once there. To London, England, where a renowned anti-authority figure is being celebrated in the cultural heart of the British establishment. The iconic 1946 painting of Ned Kelly by artist Sidney Nolan will be seen for the first time in Britain as part of an exhibition of Australian art at London's Royal Academy of Art. I'm Jane Brown, and that's your International Arts Date Book. There ain't no cure. There ain't no cure. This weekend, Leonard Cohen celebrated his 79th birthday. It marks another milestone for the iconic Canadian artist who has had a storied career. Cohen started as a poet fresh out of McGill University in the 1950s. His first volume of poetry, Let Us Compare Mythologies, was published in 1956. That was followed up by Spice Box of Earth in 1961 and Flowers for Hitler in 1964. 
He also wrote two novels in the 60s, The Favorite Game and Beautiful Losers. The following year, Cohen transformed from poet to troubadour. He released his first album, The Songs of Leonard Cohen, which included two of his biggest hits, Suzanne and So Long Marianne. From that point on, his musical career took off and he released album after album through the 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s. His most recent, Old Ideas, was released at the start of 2012. Right now, we'll hear what is undoubtedly one of his most famous pieces. It's been covered by everyone from Jeff Buckley to the Canadian tenors. Here is Hallelujah. Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing That was Leonard Cohen with Hallelujah. The poet and troubadour celebrated his 79th birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Louise Nimer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week when we bring you the latest from the man who invented the 100-mile diet. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program Director, John Bendry. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.